Welcome to the Ask the Experts podcast. Here's Karen Bhatia. I am Karen Bhatia. This is Ask the Experts. And thank you so much for joining me. What we do know is boxing is back. It's making its comeback after the global pandemic. It's a lot different now. There are not going to be the big crowds the way there used to be, but we saw top rank uh, Brad Jacobs and the team on ESPN put together the bubble. They had tons of great fights, and they get credit for figuring out the protocols, making it safe. That was definitely a monumental effort, and they were able to put on those fights in a safe way. Matchroom now coming back on August 1st from Fight Camp from the Matchroom HQ. And then, of course, their American debut uh, that's going to be in Tulsa on August 15th. That's another stacked card headlined by Cecilia Breikhaus and Jessica McCaskill. So that's another great card. PBC announcing its schedule, first of all, with Showtime. And then slowly we are getting the PBC Fox Sports schedule. So it seems like all of the promoters and players and networks uh, that were in boxing before the pandemic are coming back to the sport now. The question will be, can they have that sustained effort to keep everything safe? It seems like they will be because it's, of course, different than team sports where there's so many people involved, coaches and things like that. There's hopefully less people uh, in boxing. You have two fighters. You have a trainer. Um, the way they were doing it in the top rank bubble was you had a cutman that was assigned. So it wasn't it wasn't like the teams were bringing in their own cutmen. So that that subtracted another person. And so just by by having less people in there, uh, you're able to continue to make it safe. You're able to test everyone in the bubble and find the procedures and protocols to make it work. And that doesn't mean that fights will not get scrapped. And that just happened, as we know, with Stephen Fulton. That was someone that a lot of people were looking forward to seeing back in the ring. I've interviewed him before. He's an up-and-coming uh, fighter in our game. And he was unfortunately scrapped for his Showtime main event. But Showtime stepped in, and they were able to find uh, an alternative opponent there. So it seems like that's going to be the trend moving forward. So today, I will be speaking to a few different fighters from a few different networks and promoters. We're going to give you uh, a taste of everything that's going on. So first up, I will be speaking to 20-year-old rising star. That is Gabriel Flores Jr. He's 18-0 with six knockouts. We talked about the ESPN top-ranked bubble. He fought on June 18th, and he beat his opponent handily. He knocked down his opponent, Ruiz. He dominated every single round. And he said after the fight, he was at 50% capacity due to a back injury. So I'm going to ask him about what exactly happened with that back injury. Is that healed? Is he good to go? You never want to see a young fighter deal with injuries in the long-term basis. So we're going to talk to him about that. Also, who does he want to fight in the future? We're going to break down Devin Haney, what he thinks about Ryan Garcia. He feels like Ryan Garcia isn't fundamentally all the way there. So I'm going to ask him about why he feels that way. And then we mentioned Matchroom's comeback on August 1st. One of the fighters that will be fighting on that card is undefeated heavyweight Fabio Wardley. You may not have heard his name yet, but you will. He's 8-0 with 7 knockouts. He's only 25 years old, so he's still a, a young man, especially for the heavyweight division. He's sparred with the likes of Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk. You've heard those names if you follow heavyweight boxing. And he's sparred with those guys. He's been in there. Now, he hasn't had a huge test, but he's looking at his upcoming fight on August 1st with Simon Valili as the test to put him on the map, his coming out party, 
if you will. Uh, I'm also going to talk about in Wardley's last fight uh, between rounds before he knocked out his opponent. He asked his uh, trainer for five guys burgers. Uh, that's how relaxed he was in there. So I'm going to ask him about that moment. And after that, I will be speaking to another young fighter in the game. 12-0, and 0, nine knockouts. And that is Charles Conwell. He feels he is boxing's best kept secret. So I'm going to ask him why he feels that way. We also know that, unfortunately, for for Charles, he was involved in the tragedy with Patrick Day. It was, of course, Patrick Day's last fight in the boxing ring uh, where he tragically passed away. It was a tough thing for everyone in our sport, in our community. And, uh, of course, it must be very tough for Charles Conwell going through that. So I asked him about um, that moment, if he's been able to deal with that, move on from that, and how we can make our our sports safer because that is something that no one uh, in our sport wants. We're also going to talk about the landscape at 154 pounds, the division that Conwell is currently campaigning at. We're going to get an update on his next fight. And finally, I will be speaking with Ray Robinson, a.k.a. the new Ray Robinson. He's a fighter that got some mainstream attention here because we mentioned the ESPN bubble fights, and there was a segment talking about Terrence Crawford's next opponents. And Tim Bradley Jr. came out and said that it should be Ray Robinson. So I'm going to talk to Ray about that. Uh, Now that his name has been floated, is there a chance that we could see that fight? There's actually a background there. Uh, Robinson beat Crawford at the U.S. Nationals and claims he was confronted by Crawford's team afterwards. So I'm going to ask him about that moment, what exactly happened there, and get a little bit deeper into the history between him and Crawford. He also trains with Jerron Boots Ennis, uh, so we're going to get his thoughts there and, uh, and also talk to him about the welterweight division. A lot of people to speak to, but first up, it's 20-year-old rising star Gabriel Flores Jr., I am Karabatia, and let's ask the experts. I am Karabatia. I am chatting with Gabriel Flores Jr., a rising star in the sport of boxing. He's 18 and 0, six knockouts, 20 years old from Stockton, but living in Las Vegas now. Gabriel, uh, obviously we know what's going on right now in the world of the global pandemic. Where are you? Mm-hmm. Are you safe? Is everything good? Everything's perfect. Uh, me and Pops are right here in Vegas in our home, just relaxing, training still, uh, staying in shape. So we're safe. We're good. And we last saw you, of course, in the bubble, uh, June 18th on top rank uh, ESPN fights. It was uh, a great performance and we'll, we'll talk about it, but uh, do you have your next fight set? Do you have any idea when that's going to be? Uh, my next fight will probably be like early September, around that time. And any idea of who you'll be facing at that time? Uh, not right now. No, we uh, we haven't got a date yet, but uh, we're we're aiming for early September. And do you think most likely that's going to be back in Vegas in the bubble, or do you think that would be somewhere else? Uh, I'm thinking the bubble probably. I think they're starting uh, to get out the bubble in August, or uh, but uh, I'm not sure if it'll be that soon because it just it just everything started happening again. Uh, it started spreading more and more. They started talking about getting out the bubble like around August, but uh, all this started happening again. At that time, it wasn't spreading as much, but there's a second wave of stuff like that coming. Yeah, that's the issue. And and I've said from the beginning that top rank, Brad Jacobs, the entire team has been doing a great job in terms of uh, safety protocols, making yeah. sure everyone's safe and still putting on the event so that, you know, us as fans can have that entertainment. So speaking of that, it was uh, June 18th, 
uh, ho- against Jose Ruiz, you had a very dominant performance. I mean, you won every single round. Uh, you also had a knockdown. But after the fight, you said that it was actually you were at 50% due to a back injury, right? So um, how is the back feeling right now? My back is recovered. I'm good. I uh, went to see a chiropractor back at home in California. So that helped a lot, um, you know, a whole bunch. So uh, it was it was a good performance, but I was, it was a little disappointing, a little uh, hard on me because I know I could have done a lot better and I could have showed a lot more than what I showed. And, uh, you know, the back injury, you're, you're, you're 20 years old. Uh, obviously, no one likes uh, to get injured in any way. But are you worried at all that, you know, that's something that could stay with you throughout your career, having some back issues? Um, I don't think so. I think I'm good. I don't think I'll come back. Hopefully, you know, but, uh, we're going to fight through every day. Uh, we got to just make sure that we get to the fight. You know, I told pops that uh, I'm not a hundred percent, but I want to get to this fight and want to, you know, go good on the next one. And you hurt the, the back, uh, from what I read in sparring. And then in, I think it was the second round, uh, Ruiz maybe hit you in the back and that kind of, uh, caused some issues. Is that, is that what happened there? Yeah, uh, so my back was, like, getting recovered in the training. When I was training, warming up in the locker room, I could feel it. But it didn't bother me at all. It's just something I feel there, like a sore or something. And become, this, like, the first minute of the second round, he hit me in my lower back and, and I activated. And I started getting in real pain. I started to feel it. So I, I just kept my distance. I didn't want to get too close where he could hit me in my body or my back. So that's why I always keep my distance, move my legs a lot during the whole fight. From the second round on because if you watch the first round I was I was going to the body I was inside I was mixing it up mixing it up pretty good but after that second during that second round it was I couldn't uh risk it in the back again and has that been something that you've had any issues with before this fight or was this the first fight that you've had uh back issues this is the first fight this is uh, happened in sparring this is the injury that happened like I want to say a week and a half before my fight Got it. And and so just to be clear, moving forward, you're 100% healthy and healed and ready to go? I'm good. I'm ready to rock and roll. So you won every single round, like we said. You got the knockdown against Ruiz on June 18th. What would have happened if you were 100% healthy? I don't think it would have lasted past five. I mean, like, I already knocked him down. He was really, really injured, and that's when my injury already occurred. Like, like he already hit me in my back, and I was already feeling the pain. So I I would have thrown at least twice more punches than I threw. I was in there after the second during the second round uh, and on. I was in there like a sparring match, just trying to win the round. I was just trying to win rounds. I wasn't trying to do too much, just because the fact that I knew if I would have got hit in my lower back, it could have been a long night. And you you did that. You were able to bank every round, um, and even with a safe strategy. So they announced during the fight that someone you were such a big favorite in the fight that someone bet over $180,000 to win $4,000 on you if you won. Did, were you aware of that? And, and what do you think about that? Yeah, I was aware of it. Uh, they asked me about it before the fight. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to take some kind of risk like that. But like I said, you know, I mean, he, if he knows me, he knows I was going to come out with, with a win. And depending on the comp- competition and all that, like, this is me in and out the ring, like, boxing 24-7. So uh, it's a it's a mindset of being a winner. So, 
And during that fight, I was, I was live tweeting during the fight and they were isolating the corner audio. Obviously there was no fans. We had your father in the corner. You were winning every round easily. Um, but I remember there was one point where your father said he still wanted you to pick up the pace and stay focused. Mm-hmm. So what is it like um, having your dad in your corner and then just the, the dynamic there of, you know, trying to stay, trying to have him keep you motivated during a big fight like that? Oh, it's, it's, it's great because uh, Pops will always push me. We're never satisfied. We could uh, have him almost out in the third round. There's still something I could have done better. So me and Pops are never satisfied with anything going on in the moment. We always want more. We always want to do better. So I think that's why I get better, better each fight. And that's why I'm going to keep on climbing to the top. And we've seen that rise in your career, 18 wins, like we said, no losses. Um, I know that you mentioned your father – you you obviously uh, unfortunately had the tragedy with your mom. Um, mm-hmm. I know that that's something that you use to motivate you. Do you feel like uh, you are fighting in her honor now moving forward? For sure. That's why every fight I come out with uh, her shirt on. You know, she was very, very supportive in everything I did, and especially the boxing. She was a big boxing fan herself. So, you know, it was always nice to have her there in my fights. But now I'm continuing her name, make sure her name never dies. And I know that family is obviously important to you. We mentioned uh, your father in, in your corner there. Um, I know that your community also, where you grew up in Stockton, is very important, right? I mean, what, what does uh, Stockton mean for you? Stockton means everything to me. Uh, I was born and raised there. Never lived in any other city besides now. Barely moved to Vegas in February. But before then, it was always Stockton for me. And uh, I, had, I had a tough upbringing in there. And uh, my goal is just to try to help the youth do better. But uh, Stockton's always had my back, had my support when I fought in Stockton Arena back in May 4, 2019. It was crazy. Like, it was crazy. And there over 10,000 people were there. And people had pictures of my mom in there. Like, they just showed real support. Like, they really got my back. And they know I got there. So I'm always representing everywhere I go. And you mentioned that you moved from Stockton to Vegas. Now, obviously, uh, for your career as a fighter, being in Las Vegas is probably a good thing. Um, was that a tough decision to make, though, to relocate to Las Vegas? Very. Pops has been wanting to move since 2017. Pops has been wanting to move for a while, but I was always the one holding us back. I wasn't sure. I didn't want to move yet. I didn't want to go away from home. But uh, I finally told him I'm ready. And so we moved. And uh, it's been doing real good for me in my career. And you moved in February, and then you were hit with the pandemic. So when that mm-hmm. first happened, I mean, was that extra tough saying, wow, I, I relocated my whole life here, and now my boxing career is going to be on pause for a little bit as well? I didn't really think of it like that. I know Top Rank's a perfect, a great promotional company. So I know it was going to be too long before I got back in the ring. So I was still training, making sure I was getting ready. I was right here in the house working out, found a gym. I worked out in the gym, so – I made sure I was ready just in case I got the call. But uh, the pandemic didn't really worry about me. Like, just making sure me and my family were healthy, that's the only thing. But, you know, I just feel I always got to stay positive. And in terms of Stockton and your community, I read that uh, in elementary school, they asked you what you want to be when you grow up, and you wrote professional boxer. Is that true? Ever since I could remember, uh, I always wanted to be a boxer. I was in preschool talking about wanting to be a fighter. Uh, I never had dreams of being uh, anything else but being a boxer. And you 
were signed to top rank at just 16 years old. Um, I, I interviewed recently Xander Zayas, who's another young fighter who signed to top rank at a young age. Um, what went into making that decision? You chose not to go the way of other fighters, maybe having a longer amateur career or trying for the Olympics or anything like that. You chose to turn professional pretty early. Um, what went into making that decision? Well, they came to me with the uh, offer. First Floyd tried to come get me before a uh, top rank, but uh, we weren't too interested in that and the way that they moved and everything. But uh, yeah, Flo- uh, Floyd tried to come get me when I was in Puerto Rico and, you know, that didn't happen. And then uh, top rank reached out with the help of Rick Morgan at that time. And uh, it went it went good. You know, we had a great contract right there, beautiful contract. Uh, it was like Olympic Trump contract. So we didn't even have to go to Olympics to get that great contract we sat we thought we looked at the olympics we watched the olympics we weren't too happy with it there was no headgear easily could get cut by head but get scar tissue from amateurs um they weren't really promoting boxing in the olympics so much it was like really hidden so we just decided that process for us i mean but we didn't we weren't 16 i wasn't 16 and thinking about i want to go pro now you know it just came to us and we then we started thinking about it because I never thought I would have been going pro at such a young age. And when you say uh, Floyd, does that mean uh, Premier Boxing Champions or Mayweather Promotions came to you? Mayweather Promotions. And what was the main reason that you didn't want to sign with Mayweather Promotions? I don't really want to get into that, to be honest. But uh, it just they came to talk to us, and, it, and then it didn't really go how we wanted it to go. Uh, it didn't meet me and Pops' expectations. So that's, that's, that's why. Got it. And a new addition to your, I think a fairly new addition, I believe is that you've signed with manager Jay Prince. Um, he is obviously involved in uh, Shakur Stevenson, Andre Ward and others. So what has that partnership been like? It's been great so far. Uh, I mean, I couldn't ask for any more. Jay's been doing his job and more. So we're happy with Jay and uh, Antonio Leonard. Uh, so, I mean, we're just going to keep on uh partnership going. We're going to keep doing our thing and right to the top. And that is the plan, obviously. Uh, you've fought at 130, above 130 as well. So what what weight class uh, do you think ideally suits you most right now? I think 130, 130 pounds. I'll go for a title there. And when you look at some of the, the names at 130, um, Leo Santa Cruz, Burchelt, Herring, um, Tevin Farmer, Jojo Diaz, Shakur Stevenson, I mean – what do you think about the fighters uh, in that division? What do you? Th- how do they rank? Who do you think's at the top in the in the division? Well, uh, probably at the division, probably for Chow. I'm thinking that's just my guess, but it don't really matter at that point because it will. Everybody's gonna fight everybody. You know, uh, at every weight division, there's there's a there's top dogs. At every weight division, there's big competition. It's the professionals, you know, so. It ain't no need to worry about a, a name or anything like that because no matter what weight class you end up at and you're trying to get the title, it doesn't be big competition. Absolutely. And I actually spoke to uh, Otha Jones III earlier today. I know that you guys had a rivalry back in the day, right? Is that someone that hopefully you hope to one day face in the ring? Yeah. I mean, uh, me and Otha Jones, uh, we had our great fights in the amateurs. Um had the rings packed so many uh, people were there just to watch us as amateurs but uh of course we could do that for sure we're down the line uh i'm trying to get in there with anybody like we're tr- i'm trying to be great 
So I'm not going to shy away from nothing like that. And we know that you also spent time Devin, with Devin Haney, Ryan Garcia. Um, a lot's been made in terms of their rivalry as well. When you were witnessing them going at each other uh, back in the day, I mean, who do you think got the best of it, if you had to, if you had to guess? Someone just asked me that question. Uh, like, I've been, they fought like five, six times. I've only seen like two, two fights, and each time I saw Devin win. So Devin uh, liked to be the more superior fighter. And I know that you've said that with Ryan Garcia, uh, he's got speed, he can punch, but he's not all the way there. I know you said that. Why do you feel that he's not all the way there? Uh, I don't know. I just feel like he's just not fundamentally all the way there, if that makes even more sense, to be more specific. I, like, like I said, he, he could do his thing. He's fast. He could hit hard, and that's going to take him as far as he could go. But like I said, there's, gonna be big, there's big competition. This is pro, so, I mean – I wish him the best. We'll see how far he goes. But like and, I said, I'm not worried about anybody else out there. I'm worried about me. And if the weight does work out, is that someone – is Ryan Garcia someone that you'd like to, to face down the line? For sure. For sure. That would be a big money fight. I mean, this is the business. This is boxing. This is boxing. This is a sport, but this is also a business. That's one fight I love to have. And you're obviously a, a young fighter, uh, 20 years old, um, like we said. So – when do you think you'd be ready for uh, a world title opportunity? I'm thinking within the next 12 months. And if it's longer, it's longer. No rush. I'm not, I'm not uh, really after it, really rushing like that, but that's just how I feel it's going to come. And what, if, what are your goals uh, overall in this sport? I mean, do you want to unify uh, the division? Do you want to move up and be like a multi-division champion? What are you thinking about in terms of your goals in the sport of boxing? So this is, I'm gonna be a world champion at 130. They want to go to 135. They want to get a world title right there. They want to unify. They want to keep on going. We're gonna conquer each division that we go to as far as we go, pound for pound. I'm looking to be the greatest, you know. So uh, we, I'm looking to get in the ring with everybody, everybody. So it's gonna happen. Time will tell. And when you look at what you want to achieve, I mean, are you focused on uh, the biggest money fights in terms of making money? Are you focused on legacy, leaving a legacy in this sport, pound for pound rankings? I mean, what is, what is your main motivation? I'm looking for legacy. The money's going to come. I'm going to eat regardless, no matter what. I mean, you see my team. I got the right people on my team to make sure that I'm going to live comfortable. You know, uh, I got Jake Prince with me, my guy. He's going to make sure that I'm getting what I'm supposed to be getting. You know, uh, they blessing me, like, Everybody around me is to make sure we eat. So like that, that's that's gonna come naturally. That's gonna come naturally. But uh, so for sure, the legacy is on top of my list. And so just to close it out, um, we know that you'll be back in the ring soon, and we're we're all looking forward to seeing that, um, especially with you 100% healthy this time around. What would be your final message to your fans, your supporters, people who are following your career? My message is just I'm getting better and better, and uh, the competition is coming higher. You know, I'm getting in the ring of better competition, and that's only going to bring out a greater me. So keep on watching. I got a lot to show. Absolutely. Gabriel Flores Jr., undefeated, rising star in our sport, representing Stockton. I want to thank you so much for the time. Uh, congratulations on all the success that you've had, and I'm definitely looking forward to uh, continuing to see you grow in your career. Um, I appreciate you for the call. And that was the 20-year-old rising star, Gabriel Flores Jr., looking to 
make his mark in the sport of boxing, and it looks to be all good things ahead for him. Up next, it's Fabio Wardley. He's an undefeated heavyweight. He's fighting on August 1st against Simon Valilli. Seems to have a very bright future ahead. So here is Fabio Wardley. I am Karan Bhatia. I am speaking with Fabio Wardley. He's 8-0, 7 KOs. Uh, he's a heavyweight from the UK. So, Fabio, obviously the first question is we know what's going on right now in the world, the global pandemic. It's caused a disruption in everyone's life. Where are you right now and are you safe? Is everything good? Uh, I'm, in, I'm in England. I'm in England. I'm safe. Everything's good here. Um, I'm outside of London, so everything's a bit more relaxed where I am. Um, I'm a bit away from kind of that, that more dense kind of chaos of everything that's been going on. So yeah, I'm good. I'm away. I'm just I'm just out of the way, just training, doing my thing. And that's good that that you're safe. In 2019, uh, you were you were cruising. You had three wins, all by knockout, and and then obviously with the global pandemic, it was halted, right? So was that mm. tough for you in terms of losing that momentum? <clears throat> um, it was. Yeah, it was. It wasn't necessarily tough. Like I've earned a lot in my career. I've had cancer fights and things go wrong and. So I've kind of learned over time to just adapt to that. I've kind of built that resilience against it to just stay moving, stay training. Like you just take it for what it is and you keep going and you stay on job. So, so yeah, it wasn't obviously, it wasn't the best case scenario. It could have been, things could have gone a lot better, but ultimately it is what it is. And there's no point whinging and whining about it. You just got to keep going. Absolutely. And in terms of you keeping going, your fight August 1st, uh, it's the return mm. of Matchroom. It's the uh, fight camp, the backyard brawls, if you will. So it will be almost a year since your last fight. Um, are you expecting any rust in there? Anything uh, that, you know, it might take a few rounds to get a little bit warmed up? Uh, not really, no. Like, obviously, over the time, I've been out of the ring for, by that time, yeah, it would have been a year, but I've been in gyms, I've been sparring, nothing's really changed other than training-wise, so it's just doing it under the lights. There is that little, don't get me wrong, that, that's a bit different, but everything's still there. I haven't slacked off, I haven't taken any time off, I've always been training, always been working, so I'm just as ready as just doing it under the lights and in front of the cameras. And it will be uh, under the lights, in front of cameras, no crowd, obviously, because mm -hmm. of what's going on. What do you know about the way that fight camp's going to look and be like? Have you heard anything about protocols and things like that? Um, I don't know too much in depth. We've been given a brief overview. So our team numbers that we're allowed to have with and travel with will be very limited. Um, will be a small kind of quarantine bubble that we'll have to stay in for a duration of time while we're up there. So we'll get up there, we'll get tested. Um, we'll be in a quarantined hotel for a portion of time. So it all seems very kind of registered and, and regulated and everything seems well looked after. Everyone's health is obviously top priority, making sure the boxers, the officials, everyone there is all is all well looked after. So it seems good. It's going to obviously be very different to what anyone's ever been used to before. It'll be a strange event, but it will be like it'll be good to say that you was part of something like that something when you look back in time in history and say like we as a boxing community powered through even though in the middle of a pandemic and still got to put on good boxing shows and and got to come through that it will be a good thing to say later down the line that i was a part of 
Exactly. Yeah. I've been saying this for a long time. It's important that we get these sports back as long as that it's safe. Uh, Top rank and ESPN has been doing a great job. And now Matchroom, I'm sure they're going to have all the protocols and I'm sure that they're going to keep it safe and they get credit for being the innovative promoter for finding a way to make it happen because there is value in people getting entertainment during this time, escapism, right? Something to kind of take our mind off of everything going off in the world and watching people compete. So in terms of your opponent, you're taking on Simon Valili. Uh, he's mm-hmm. 17-0. He campaigned for a long time at Cruiserweight. And yep. I know that you've said that you feel like this could be a come-out party for you in a way. So why do you feel that it is your ninth professional fight? Why do you feel like it'll be a come-out party for you? The fights I've had in the past have been, they've been good kind of building, challenging fights. We've been testing different aspects of me and my skills and stuff with, with a different variety of opponents, but not someone who's completely well-rounded, who has a very extensive background, um, who's been in the program a long time. He's had double the professional fights of me. Um, and he's had obviously a massive, massive amateur background as well, winning Commonwealth gold medal. So he will be a good, credit and a good measure for me to have on my record for for people that may look at my record and say oh he's only for people who have have been losing or he's not for the best opponents or however when they see that name there they see that scalp they see that win that will be my credit to say look I'm not a gimmick I'm not a joke I'm here for real I'm a genuine contender so that's how I feel it that's how I feel that that brings me into the party fully it definitely does, and it's going to be obviously a card that a lot of people watch. It's it's matchroom coming back, and people are going to be tuned into this opportunity, this fight, and that's going to help your profile. Um, in terms mm. of your opponent, I mean, he says that he's going to be 100% ready. There's no excuses in terms of training or things like that. And I know that you are happy about that, right? Because you don't want mm. any excuses from the other side. No, not at all. With Simon in the past, for anyone that knows of him or, or knows him in the past, with He's had issues with training and stuff. Maybe he's not always been so dedicated to the sport or into his training and and this and that. So, cool. So, if he's saying that he's 100% fit, he's 100% ready, like it's the best camp ever, everything that he's saying, perfect. That That's just more for me. That's more for me to say that when this is all over, said and done, and my hand is raised, that you can't take anything from me. You can say, you, everyone would have to say, like, nah, he stepped up, he took that challenge. Simon was the best Simon he could be and, and Fab won. So, I want all of that. I want you to be in the best shape. I don't want any excuses when it comes on fight night. And it will be a great matchup. You versus Simon Valili. And you guys were featured on Rivals uh, through Matchroom Boxing with Eddie Hearn. And when Eddie asked Simon for his thoughts on the fight uh, and fighting you, uh, Simon said he won't see the final bell. He's going to sleep. So what is your response to uh, Simon Valili saying that? I say everyone else has tried and everyone else has failed and they've all gone to sleep themselves. So he can he can come forward, he can step. And that's what I need. I need someone there. Like I've all my fights that I've had in the past, I've been the aggressor. I've been the pressure of the fight. And I want people to see that you can step onto me and I can counter and move and it's gonna be just the same outcome whether you want to step forward or I take control. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It looks like you're you're looking forward to the fight, but also the measuring stick, just to show what you can do against a tough opponent. And on top of that, uh, there is a regional title at stake here, right? The the English heavyweight title. So, what what is that going to mean for you, getting that that first uh, that first title? Again, that adds to the the, first, the bit of I was saying about this being my coming out party, my real my real test. That's my first bit of real credibility to say. He had a good opponent and he's won a belt and I'm there now. I'm in the rankings. I'll be high up. I'll be next to all them big boys. So 
that that will be my first real catapult up there and when I can start aiming for them bigger fights and stuff that's what I'll be that's what I'm hunting for and that's what that's what we're in this game for is for them belts it's for them titles for them accolades to to wave about and show no and say like no look I did this like I did that so yeah I'm looking forward to it Absolutely. And, and anyone who wants to get pumped for this fight, watch the episode of Rivals. You can uh, learn about each guy and you'll definitely get pumped up for this August 1st clash. Uh, it's a big heavyweight fight um, and it's definitely going to be a great one there with Matchroom and Backyard Boxing. So on your last fight, uh, this was in July of 2019, um, you were at the O2 Arena. And between rounds, uh, I, you mentioned to your, one of your coaches that you were looking forward to getting five guys, uh, five guys burgers now after yeah. the fight. Now, I've been, I've actually been to that five guys at the O2 Arena. They're very generous yeah. with the fries. Um, yeah. Great. So let me ask you this. Uh, what was the, what did you end up getting at five guys after you knocked your opponent out that night? <laughs> uh, I got my usual. I got two double cheeseburgers and a large fries. <laughs> yeah, I went straight there after. It was the best thing. I love it, and especially when we're at the O2 as well, because it's just you just go out the back door quickly, you get there, and then you go back with your food. It's it's just there straight away. So yeah, it's the perfect setup. <laughs> no, it's right there. And so, just in terms of you saying that in the corner, I mean, it, it was uh, it was an interesting moment, and it showed to me at least that you were obviously relaxed in there. You were able to kind of do what you wanted to do, kind of looking ahead. Is that how you were feeling at the moment that you kind of were in control and you knew that the fight things were going well? Yeah, definitely. It's something I do regularly, but um, like I pick different things. It's something me and my team have always had. Um, whenever we've had fights, it's something I, I do and I use for us to kind of bring us us back to a level. Because especially with like the big shows that we fight on and the big cars and being somewhere like the O2 Arena, the whole venue, the whole occasion and everything can get to you. It can get in your head. And I use those type of things to just be like, nah, everyone chill. Remember why we're here. Enjoy the moment. Because when we look back, we're going to like obviously say how great it was, but while we're here, soak everything in, enjoy that. Everyone stay calm, relax. Like, we know the game, we know the plan, we've trained hard, we know what we're doing, just enjoy the moment. And so I know that this fight, obviously not at the O2, but I'm sure that you'll still have access to some good fast food. Are you planning uh, to get some some good uh, fast food after the fight on August 1st? <laughs> yeah, always. We're going to see what's available. I think I might have to stick to whatever the hotel can offer me, but either way, I'm getting something after. <laughs> And I was I was doing some research about you, and I read that uh, you used to actually work in an office, but it was um, you know the the feeling of being out there with the crowd cheering for you, and that really helped you kind of dedicate yourself towards boxing and realize this is what you wanted to do full time. So, what was the turning point for you? Uh, it was when I had my professional debut. I so while I was training, I was working a full time job in an office, so I was doing forty plus hours a week, and then training alongside that as well and I was doing them both and obviously I had absolutely no other part of my life whatsoever it was work boxing work boxing and I finally had my my pro debut and I had that and there was just like this one moment where I stood in the ring my hand was raised and I was like nah this is this is it for me this is my moment this is I can feel it in me that this is all I want to do and that I need to put everything into it so yeah, I a few weeks later, in fact, I quit the job. I, I let that go and I just put everything into boxing. And it seems like that has been definitely a good decision uh, so far. So I know that you've actually been described as Dillian White's protege. So what is your relationship like with Dillian White? Good, fantastic. Like mine and 
mine and Dill's relationship started through sparring just on a normal basis, just us being, I was a good sparring partner. I was useful to him and I helped him out with a lot of stuff. And over time, it just progressed and we got closer and closer. The more time we spent around each other, we just got on well from from the start, really. And then obviously the opportunity came where I no longer had a ma- management team um, and I had obviously a space for a new manager and he took that slot and it just, as soon as that happened, everything just hit the roof. Everything went up and it's just been, it's been a nonstop ride since then. And it's been great to have him in my corner for everything and have him right there behind me for anything that I need. So yeah, our relationship is, is fantastic. He's, he's the, the perfect person I would want to have to manage me because he's not, he's done it all and he's done it a similar way to what I've done it through like, grinding at the beginning through them small hall shows where you have to grind and sell them tickets and get that money in and before you're even allowed to fight on the show. So he knows he knows that grind and he knows where I was before obviously I had the opportunity to fight on the big shows with him and stuff. So yeah, I'm I'm forever thankful, forever grateful to him. And speaking of White and Matchroom, I mean, White has his own opportunity against Alexander Povetkin. That's on August 22nd. What do you make of mat- that matchup, White versus Povetkin, and how do you think that will play out? I think it's a great match. I think it's a great match. And I think, again, it's a it's a credit to Dylan as a, as who he is as a fighter and who he is as a boxer, that he's still willing to, even with that opportunity said for him, obviously, next year with the WBC and stuff, he's still willing to take them risky fights, take them potential banana skin kind of fights that might might slip him up. But he just, he loves it. He loves to fight. He loves to walk. So that's his character. That's his soul. So you always knew that was coming. And I think it's going to be a great fight, like, You've never really seen a boring Povetkin fight and you've definitely never seen a boring Dylan White fight. So I think them two coming together, they'll meet in the middle and they'll, they'll swing some big bombs. And uh, that's definitely going to be a great scrap. A lot of great fights coming up on the Matchroom roster. Uh, and I think we're all looking forward to those. So I wanted to ask you, uh, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the heavyweight division right now. It's obviously a stacked division, a golden era, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, I saw that you actually sparred with one of the people at the top of the division, and that's Tyson mm-hmm. Fury. So what was that like, uh, training with Tyson Fury and sparring with Tyson Fury? Yeah, it was good. Really good. Him, the team and everything. Um, was really nice. We I knew Ben Davidson previously really well from um when he used to manage different fighters. So me and Ben always had a always had a previous relationship and then obviously the opportunity came to spar with Tyson and stuff and we jumped to that. That was a fantastic opportunity and he's he's a, he's such a character and he's just like he's exactly how you see him on TV and in the shows and, and on the fight nights and stuff. He's no different in the ring sparring or just in the normal camp of the of the gym training he's exactly the same character so there's nothing particularly fake about him and it's it's nice to be around someone who's genuine like that and obviously learn from such a great boxer and in terms of of sparring and boxing i mean you're you're a large heavyweight you're six foot five 230 240 pounds but Tyson Fury is even even larger. He's six foot nine. Mm. I think in his last fight against Wilder in the rematch, I think he came in at two hundred seventy three pounds. So he's he's a large man, but he can okay. move and he can box. What did you learn uh, from from sparring with him and just seeing his movement from someone that size, which is it's just very uncommon, right? Yeah, it's, it's massively uncommon. Like especially with me, I'm quite a fast heavyweight. So I'm used to being able to at least get in there, get into the punch first or, or moving quicker than the other person. But being with him, everything's kind of thrown on his head. Not only is he 
he's so big and, and strong and powerful and he's got rangy and long arms that he's he's light on his feet, he's quick on his feet and he can move the upper body moves as well. So it was a it was a really difficult start, but it was it was nice to kind of learn the different things that if someone's faster than you that you need to work your way in. You can't just you can't just expect to get there first. You need to kind of pry them openings and things. So yeah, and it was good and it was it was nice to be around them because him, even Ben as well, would obviously give me little tips and advice and stuff. So I was just trying to soak in everything that I could. And just for you and your confidence, I'm sure that if you can hang in there uh, with one of the champions, that you know that that bodes well for your future. Um, another fighter that you sparred with uh, a little bit on the smaller end was Alexander Usyk. Now, we know that he was reigning at cruiserweight for a long time. He's now coming up to campaign at heavyweight, a totally different stylistic uh, fighter than, mm-hmm. than Fury. So what was it like sparring with Usyk, and what did you learn from that experience? Uh, again, it was, a, it was a fantastic experience. That that first time I sparred with, with Yusuf was uh, the first time I'd gone away to a camp to a different country. I flew, flew to Ukraine on my own um, and just kind of turned up and didn't know what to expect, really. But him, his whole team and everyone there was so so nice and welcoming and, and really like looked after me and stuff. And the first night of sparring was great. Like We really went to it. I just... It was great to be involved in them and, and not just the sparring, but then afterwards just sit and watch and see all the other things that he does that you're probably aware of, like with the numbers on the wall and the different types of juggling and things like that. And like pick him and his team's brains as to why they do it, how it relates. Like it was just nice to be there and just, I was in awe of just kind of everything that was going on and, and really thankful to be a part of it. So yeah, it was cool. It was a great experience. And obviously luckily I've, I've been thankful to go out there a couple of times now. So Absolutely. Him, Vasily Lomachenko, others always doing the unorthodox type of training, and I'm sure that that mm. helps them elevate to that top level. So we talked about Tyson Fury and Usyk. Um, in the heavyweight division, I mean, it is it's it's it is a golden era. Obviously, at the top, we have Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. Um, Deontay Wilder in that conversation. Uh, Ruiz was in that conversation. So in terms of the names in the heavyweight division, I mean, who do you think in your mind is at the top right now? Uh, I think right now you have to put Fury up there um, for a number of reasons. Obviously, he, he took on the, the boogeyman of the division, Jonte Wilder. Obviously, got rid of him. Still undefeated. Um, so, and I think he, he is the most well-rounded, whole complete boxer that that is out there at the moment. Everyone is in, in that top three, four, five, has their great aspects, their things they're good at. They think like devastating punches, great work ethic, whatever it may be. But he's the one that has that kind of whole well-roundedness. So I think, yeah, I think he would be at the top for me. And, you know, with these names uh, that we that we mentioned, uh, I know that, you know, you've only had eight uh, professional fights, so it's probably a little early to step in with them now. But who is the guy uh, at the top of the pack that, that you want to step in with and that you feel that you would match up best against? Um... Yeah, I'm, I think I'm I'm still a ways off them top boys yet, but probably someone like Joshua would be more ideal for me. Someone who's a bit more rigid, a bit slower, a bit bigger as well, because I'm I can work with those bigger guys and work around them and use my my skills to my advantage, my speed, my light feet, being able to move around. So yeah, someone like him who's a bit stiffer, a bit slower would would feed more into me. 
And what are your, your goals in this sport ultimately? I mean, obviously, I'm sure heavyweight champion is, is on your mind. Do you, mm-hmm. do you hope to uh, become a champion? Do you want to be a unified champion? I mean, what are, what are your overall goals in the sport of boxing? Yeah, definitely. My, like, I'm, I'm not in this to play games. I'm in this to learn. I, I understand where I am. I know what level I'm at currently. But I'm in this to get to the top. I'm in this to hold all them belts and, and, get, and really make my my mark in this division and my a staple and, and make my name a, like a well-known name across boxing that, ah, oh, he did this and he challenged that person and he did that. And I'm still at the very, very early stages of it all, but that's the ultimate end goal. Absolutely. And you're definitely well on your way there. So just a few more questions to close it out. Uh, for fans and supporters who are still maybe um, getting to, to know you, what would be your message to them? Um, what would you want to say to uh, people who are maybe still learning about a little bit about you? Uh, just take the time, watch my fights and learn and, and just see that I'm a bit different to all these heavyweights out there that I'm not, I'm not upright, slow and, and slugger. I will, I put the work in, I'm, I'm high pace, high pressure and I'm quick on my feet and, and light with my hands. So yeah, it, it's someone exciting to watch if you, if you were looking for that new kind of spark in the heavyweight division. And we mentioned August 1st, Simon Valili. That's your next test. We got his prediction. He said he wants to put you to sleep. Uh, what is your official prediction um, for your fight versus Simon Valili? My official prediction is a KO, like all the rest of my fights. That he'll, I'll figure him out early. First round or two, I'll take my time. I'll figure out what's going on, figure out strengths and weaknesses. And then over time, I'll break him down and he'll, he'll be asleep on the floor by the end of it. He'll be asleep on the floor, and I'm sure you'll be getting some good uh, food at that point. Uh, so just last question, final message to your opponent, Simon Valili. You're going to see him on August 1st. If he's listening right now, what do you want to say to him? Simon, train hard, sleep well, get ready. I'm coming. Absolutely. So Fabio Wardley, I want to thank you so much for the time. Best of luck in your next fight against Simon Valili. It's August 1st. Uh, it's the matchroom fight camp. Uh, it's heavyweight fight. And uh, Fabio, I want to thank you so much for the time. And, I, and I'm sure that you're someone that we're going to be seeing along the way here for a long time. You're only 25 years old. So I hope to uh, speak to you again soon as you continue on your journey. Definitely. appreciate that. Thank you, Carl. Thank you. Fabio Wardley there. Again, fighting in the matchroom fight camp. Uh, on August 1st, that'll be on The Zone in America. Uh, that is through Matchroom. That is a big clash, Wardley versus Valili, because it's Wardley's coming out party, his chance to be tested for the first time. And up next, it's Charles Conwell. He's 12-0, and 0, nine knockouts, rising star in the sport. He feels like he is boxing's best-kept secret. So here's my conversation with Charles Conwell. I am Karen Batia. I am chatting with Charles Conwell. He's 22 years old, 12 and 0, nine knockouts from Cleveland. So, Charles, obviously, we know what's going on in the world in terms of the global pandemic. Where are you right now, and are you safe? Is everything good? Yeah, uh, I'm actually in Toledo right now, training. You know, just staying in shape, getting ready. So whenever they call me, uh, you know, we're not letting too many uh, people inside the gym. So we stand as safe as we can be in, but still trying to you know, put the work in. And I know, obviously, you were preparing for your next fight. You fought in February. You were preparing for a fight. I believe it was supposed to be in April uh, against uh, Ashkaev. That obviously was pushed back because of the pandemic. So 
Has that fight been rescheduled? Where when are we going to see you back in the ring? Uh, to be honest, I, uh, they just telling me to stay ready. You know, you never know with these networks. You know, they're they're trying to get things together, but like you said, the global pandemic and stuff. You know, is is coming back and the numbers going higher. You know, it's like a new thing every other month or every month. So you never know. I'm just staying ready. So whenever they call, I'll be ready. And I know that you have been staying ready. You fought in February, like we said. You're undefeated. So has that been – I mean, obviously, the pandemic has been tough for everyone. It's caused disruptions in everyone's life. But in terms of your momentum as a, as a professional boxer, I mean, that must have been very tough for you to feel like you're rolling and then obviously everything halt- is halted. Yeah, it, it definitely, it's definitely tough. You know, you, like you said, you got the momentum. You've been you're doing good. You're winning. You won. I won. You know, fights back to back. I've been doing my thing, and then I, I wanted so much for uh, so much this year too. I wanted to like build my mom, like build my momentum, get good wins under my belt, and a lot of stuff like that. So I, I had so much stuff planned for me for this year, and then for it to all be stopped, you know, it's crazy. You can't get mad because, like you said, it's a global pandemic. It's not just something that's happening to me, but it's still hard to not get frustrated when you wanted so much for yourself this year. And how how have you been spending this time in quarantine? I know that you've at, you've been training or fighting since you were 11 years old. You're 22 now. Um, so have you kept up with training? Has it been the same? What, what's it been like? Uh, you know, I've been I'll come I'll come train. You know, I go home, spend time with my family. So I was just doing both, spending time with my family. I then I go then I go back to training and come back and spend time with my family. I just been going back and forth. You know, just trying to stay in sh- stay in shape. And just spend time with my family, like like I said. You know, I, I actually just had a a daughter too, so I've been trying to spend time with my family a lot with my daughter and just being there for my for my girlfriend and whatnot, and then come back, but not trying to get out of shape at the same time. You know, so I've been trying to go back and forth. And in terms of your community and, and where you're from, I mean, I know uh, a lot has been made about Soul City Boxing Club. Um, I, we know Arthur Jones uh, the third trains out of there. Um, what is that community and that environment like for you? It's it's actually it's it's fun and it's competitive. You know, you got a lot of top athletes there doing their thing, winning. So you know, everybody wants everybody want to be the best. So it's always like us just pushing each other, get better, and just work out harder, and just keep doing good and growing and just learning from each other. And you know, we talked about your momentum this year and what happened. Now we we uh, we know what happened at the end of last year, and I don't want to ask you too much about it because I know you've spoken a lot about a lot about it. Um, I actually did a, a full show on fighter safety. Um, and we want to avoid, you know, these tragedies in this sport, as you know. So I'll only the only question I'll ask you is, um, how do you think that that we can make boxing safer so that we don't have tragedies like we had with Patrick Day? To be honest, it's it's kind of hard. You know, every fighter is going to say they're okay, even if they're not okay. It's just the fighter in us. It's, it's just in us. So it's really like it's up to like the uh, the boxing commissioners to make people do go do extensive tests and just make sure people are okay before they fight. Not just listen to what they say. You got to just watch out for their body, their body language, and just see how they're doing mentally. And just usually got to check in on the fighter. You just got to know a person. You could maybe talk to their family, their coach, and stuff like that. You just got to really just make sure they're okay. That's the only thing I can really say because it's not really really too much you can really do to, to like, really stop stuff like that from happening. But to just to prevent it, I think you can just, like, check in on the fighter and maybe do some more extensive testing. I don't really know. Yeah, we need to change, you know, get more research, get more education um, and, mm-hmm. and lose the machismo of the fight, uh, lose the, the you know, going out in your shield type of uh, mindset that that definitely needs to change. And that starts with trainers, that starts with fighters and everything like that. So um, I know that on your Instagram bio, it says you are boxing's best kept secret. So why do you feel like you're boxing's best kept secret? 
You know, uh, I just fight that because I've done a lot in the boxing community. I've done a lot in the amateurs. Now I'm coming into the pros. I'm doing. I'm doing pretty good. So I just feel like for all the things I accomplished and, and throughout my career, I just feel like I'm not getting the recognition and the respect I deserve in the sport. So I just think I'm like I'm not. I just feel like I'm boxing the best because kept secret because I'm not getting that recognition. A lot of people don't know me, so I just feel like that's the reason behind that. And in terms of people getting to know you, I mean, they're starting to get to know you as you continue, uh, you know, you're undefeated, you're knocking people out, um, you're still very young, 22 years old. And as you get on these bigger and bigger platforms, on these bigger cards, people are going to start to learn more about you. What do you want to be known for uh, as, as a fighter, as a person? And what do you want people to know about you? That I'm, um, like you said, I want to be known for my fighting skills, my um, just me being a good person and being a hard worker and me just... You know, winning titles and looking good, doing it, dominating the sport, and just you know, just doing my thing and being true to myself and just being myself. And you know, we we talked about the tragedy in the sport and and safety. Do, obviously, that you know was a tough thing for you in your career. Do you feel like you've been able to um, now move on from that in terms of a men and, and mentally and being able to move forward in your career? Yeah, for sure. Uh, every day that I'm working out, every fight that I'm get that, that I'm doing is, is one like it's pushing me further and further away from that situation. Like it's making me, you know, get past the situation every day. So the longer I'm doing my thing and just training and working hard and fighting and things like that, it's pushing me away from me. But like I said, when it first happened, it was like you say it was a tragedy. I, I, I they said I was kind of holding back when I first got back, but as time went on, like I said, I got back more and more to myself. So I just think the, the more time that goes past, the more I can uh, get past it. Like, like, like they say, time heals all wounds. And I know that you have reached out to Patrick Day's family. You fought in his honor. And so you're doing what you can to move on from that situation. Um, mm -hmm. And so obviously this halt in terms of the pandemic was probably especially tough for you because you probably wanted to keep the momentum rolling. Um, you, uh, you've said before that your dream is to be the best boxer in the world. So is that, is that your motivation? You know, certain, certain fighters may say, Oh, I, you know, I want to fight for money. I want to fight for, you know, specific goals or legacy. What, what is your, what is your motivation in this sport? Uh, like you said, just to be the best in, in every division I'm fighting and to be the best to win all the belts. Um, like you said, like people say, family, friends, you got, I got a daughter. So that's a new motivation for me. Just a lot of different stuff, but for for the sport, the legacy, just for the sport, just to be the best in my weight class and just dominate the sport, just be one. Be, just want to go be known as one of the legends of the sport. So that's what I fight for. And in terms of the weight class that you're in, we've seen you fight at 154. I believe you've fought a little higher uh, than 154 as well. What what is the most comfortable weight for you? Where do you want to ideally campaign at? Uh, 154. The, the times I came in over 154 was because of the opponents. They might have been like last minute opponents and stuff like that. So. Those are the only reason I ever came in really overweight. And in terms of that weight class, I mean, we have champions Rosaro, Charlo, of course, uh, Patrick Teixeira. So it's, it's, you know, obviously a deep weight class. What do you make of the landscape at 154? And, and what do you think of the top fighters in that weight class? Uh, it's a lot of good guys. It's even good guys that's not even champions. So it's a lot of good talent there. But um, I feel like the 154 division is one of the toughest divisions. You see a lot of people not really – they get the belt, but they don't really get to hold it for that long. So, you know, it's a lot of good, uh, good athletes in that division. So I just think that once I'm there and I win my title, I'll be able to hold it for the longest. And in terms of, you know, those champions or other fighters, I mean, who do you think is at the top of the division right now? I'll, I'll say Charlo. I think he got the most experience at that weight class. That's a champion right now. Uh, 
I think, yeah, I think he's the top dog at the 154 division. Even though Rosario has two belts, they're fresh belts, and he won them in like in one fight. So, like I said, just I think Charlo got the most edge over everybody else. And in terms of, of those players, the people that we talked about, title holders and others, who do you think you would match up best against? Uh, I say Teixeira and Rosario. I think I can, I, I can really uh, do my thing. I, think, I know for a fact I can do my thing and win those titles from over there. And if you were to get the opportunity versus Charlo, how do you feel like that fight would play out? I feel like that fight would be that fight would be a great fight. You know, we're both two athletic, two athletic guys, good punchers. So I know that that, that fight would be a real good fight, and I can just see it going the distance. And um, we know that you know you want to get back in there. You want to get these opportunities in terms of a, a title shot. When do you think you'll be ready for that type of opportunity? Uh, depending with the pandemic over. I, I would love to get. I would love to get a title shot next year, sometime next year, like the end of next year. Get some, get some more good wins under my belt. Fight some former world champ, some former world champions, or some um, world title challengers and stuff like that. Get some good wins, and then I'll, I'll be ready to hop in there. And have you looked up in terms of you know middleweight is obviously also stacked. You know people like Canelo, Triple G, Andrade. The Charlo, you know, there's so many people there too. Is that is that something you're eyeing at all, or you do think that you're going to be at 154 for a while? Uh, I think I'm campaigning at 154 for a while. Once I win those titles at 154, then eventually, I'll, of course, I'll move up. Hopefully, one day I might even move down. You never know, man. Depends on how my body is. It all depends on the body. And I wanted to ask you, but you know, before I let you go, I've been following your your social media feeds. Uh, someone I interviewed uh, once was Eric Kelly. What's the back and forth with you and Eric Kelly? Can you fill me in on that? Uh, Eric Kelly's my boy, man. Uh, I met him down there in uh, New York one time when I was doing an Olympic thing. He was out in New York, and he's just a crazy dude, man. He's he's mad nice though. He, I really respect Eric Kelly. You know, he was supposed to go to the Olympics. We fought the same weight class when he was an amateur, so it just it's just fan like friendly fan stuff. And uh, for those who don't know Eric Kelly, Southbox Gym, you can check out, uh, I think, some viral videos of his that took off a few years ago. So, um, you know, just to just to close it out, we talked about your goals in the sport. I mean, ideally, do you hope to be a multi-division champion? Do you want to be on the top of the pound-for-pound rankings? I mean, what what defines success for you before, you know, before your career is over? Uh, winning, winning titles, it, does, it doesn't matter uh, if it's it all in one weight class or if I ever go up and win in that weight class. So I just want to win the most world titles I can and just become, just come a legend. Like I said, just be inspiration for other people, other boxers coming up and just stuff like that. Just be inspiration. And in terms of those goals, is there a fighter that you look at, you know, maybe in previous eras and you say, wow, I really like the way this guy conducted his career. That's someone I want to emulate a little bit. Yeah, mindset wise, I, I like I like Andre Ward's mindset a lot. He's he definitely done a lot in the career. He's a multi weight world champion. I like his mindset a lot, and I like Canelo. He's he's a real class fighter, I think. So probably Andre Ward and Canelo are my two top on class and just like how they handle their career. And in terms of in terms of you mentioned Andre Ward, we know the success he had in the ring. He stepped away from the the game a little early when he you know felt like he had achieved everything he wanted to achieve, and the same drive wasn't there. Is that something that that you would consider as well? You know, stepping away at a certain point when the when the hunger isn't there in the same way. Yeah, for sure. Once you once you know you know when you're done. I'm I, I'll still work out. I may even do a couple exhibition matches like some Floyd Mayweather type junk. But when I know I'm done with the sport, I'll be done with it for sure. 
And so just to close it out, what would be your final message to your fans, to your supporters, people who have followed you up to this point in your career and hopefully are looking to see you back in there? Uh, just, man, keep supporting me. I, I Hopefully I'll have some news for you guys soon. Um, just stay supporting. I'm really working hard and I want to be the best. And I know with, any, with, with the fans and the family behind me, I can do whatever I want to be. I can be wherever I want to be in life. Charles Conwell, I want to thank you so much for the time. Best of luck in your next fight, whenever that may be. And I hope that uh, we can keep the dialogue going, keep the conversation going as you uh, work your way through your career here. Oh, yeah, for sure. Thank you. That was Charles Conwell breaking it down. And finally, moving on to our final guest here, it is Ray Robinson, the new Ray Robinson, who wants a shot at Terrence Crawford. There's actually a uh, big backstory there in terms of their history. So here's my conversation with Ray Robinson. I am Karan Bhatia. I am chatting with Ray Robinson, the new Ray Robinson. Ray, I know you're from Philadelphia. Uh, we know everything that's going on in the world right now. Where are you right now? Are you safe? Is everything good? Yes, I'm safe. Uh, we're good. Uh, everything is all right. And I know you have your your son with you right now, stuck in some I traffic. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I appreciate <laughs> you, you you joining me right now. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, everything that you've gone through in your life. I mean, it wasn't really easy for you to get where you are now. You've overcome poverty. Uh, you had a, a, a broken neck, I believe, when you were a younger fighter. Uh, you had a car mm-hmm. accident. So you've gone through a lot. And uh, in perspective of, of what's going on right now with the global pandemic, I mean, what is your perspective on everything that's going on? Is this just kind of another bump in the road in, in life? It is. Um, it it kind of sucks because I, I came off of um, two back-to-back draws that a lot of people thought I won. So I thought that uh, my career was going to like take off a little bit because of that. And then this happens. But, I mean, right now with, with my luck, sometimes things like that happen to me. So it was like one of the things that I can't really do nothing about. And you, you had the two recent draws like we talked about. Uh, you've been in the game for a while. You're 34 years old, 24-3 uh, record. So you have been in the news recently, and I had to ask you about this, of course. Uh, top-ranked boxing, as we know, doing a great job. I've mentioned this before many times. Brad Jacobs and the team with ESPN and the bubble in Vegas. Um, a lot of people, are, are uh, boxing fans, are watching these fights, and they were talking about Terrence Crawford and who they should have him fight. Tim Bradley brought up your name. He said, Terrence Crawford should fight Ray Robinson. He said, I have a name for you. Uh, we've seen him on our show. His name is Ray Robinson. He's one of the last people to beat Terrence Crawford in the amateurs. So what do you think of Tim Bradley's suggestion? I'm sure that you agree with it, right? <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, I feel as though I just fought Kavalaskis, um, and the winner was supposed to fight Crawford, um, whoever won. I feel like it was a draw, no one won. And somehow, um, Kavalasta still got a shot at uh, the world title. But so I feel as though that's my is my time to to get a shot at Crawford. Um, I think that it actually make more sense. You know, we got history. Um, it's more drama. I, I think people really enjoy that. And you mentioned the history that you have with Terrence Crawford. So, what is the what is the history? You fought him in the amateurs. What happened in the amateurs? So I fought him in the nationals, in the U.S. nationals. Um, whoever wins get on fight for the USA boxing team, and I wound up beating him twenty two eighteen. And um, that that's it. That's where it started. 
That's where it started. Now, I saw there's a little bit more to this story in terms of the background between you and Terrence Crawford. You beat him in the U.S. Championships, but you said that after you got out of the ring, his whole family tried to fight yeah. you afterwards. What, what exactly yeah, happened him, there? It was, I guess they didn't like the decision. Um, they told so that he won. And uh, I clearly, I honestly clearly won. And uh, they were just, I guess, upset, let their emotions get the best of them. And uh, that's what happened. <laughs> And so they came up to you. They tried to fight you. Was there an actual fight there, or was it just more, well, you know, uh, of an altercation, they, or what happened? Yeah, it was more of just yelling back and forth. Um, you know, I was on. I was at the USOEC at the time, so you know, my teammates was yelling at their his peoples, and my peoples, their, his peoples were yelling at mine. So it was like you know, people were trying to break it up. So it was kind of like crazy. And. Has that bl- bad blood remained between you and Team Crawford through the years? I mean, I just feel as though I, I want my shot. So um, I feel as though that we, it's something there, you know. Um, I, I'm sure that he probably would want that win back. I'm constantly talking shit. So I'm, I'm sure that he um, kind of want that back. So, And uh, I also wanted to ask you about – when those comments uh, were were made, you talked about the, the fight that you had with Crawford. Um, you were also asked, this was in 2017, about what you thought about Crawford moving up to welterweight at the time. So I know that you thought that that was going to be a challenge for Crawford. Since then, he's been 4-0 at welterweight, um, but he had his most recent fight against Mean Machine, who you mentioned. You had the draw with him. Crawford got the knockout win, but it wasn't easy. What have you made of Terrence Crawford at welterweight so far? Uh, listen, at the end of the day, he's a decent fighter. He's a good fighter. You know, I can't take that away from him. But um, honestly, I, I feel as though they, they, they put in the right people in front of him, you know. Um, I don't think he fought, you know, the last, you know, not a Mexican-American. I'm talking about like the all-American. The last person he fought was um, Hank Lundy. I think Hank Lundy was actually coming up in weight. So if you think about it, they, they put the right people in front of him. He, he hasn't fought someone like an all-American, you know? So I feel as though that, you know, we have that kind of style that, you know, we both can adapt to. I mean, I just think it's an exciting fight to, to, to the fans, you know? I'm with around the same height, even fighting a lot of short people or, you know, things like that. So I feel it's like him fighting someone with long arms too, you know, softball, I think it would just be a good matchup. And when you say he's a decent fighter, I mean, he's at the top of the pound-for-pound pound rankings in a lot of different rankings. Do you feel that that spot is deserved and earned by him? Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not a hater. I mean, his team did a wonderful job um, getting him the right people to, to set him up for his success. Um, you know, I, I just went through the mud. You know, I fought a lot of coming up. You know, I fought a lot of, you know, tough fights. Normally, young fighters don't fight, you know, right off the bat, so – where I'm at right now, you know, I feel like I deserve that shot. And you mentioned you had fought Kavalaskis, a.k.a. Mean Machine. Uh, I mentioned Crawford fought him as well. There were some struggles early for Crawford. Did you see that fight? What did you think about Crawford versus Mean Machine in the early rounds? Um, I thought it was a decent fight. I, I just thought that um, Crawford could have probably made it a little easier. But um, it's one of them things I guess he chose to fight that way. Sorry if you hear my son. We do not oh. like this car right now. <laughs> no, no, no worries, man, at all. So um, we mentioned Crawford. Uh, you've actually fought a lot of really well-known names in the in the game. You fought Porter, Ugas. We mentioned Mean Machine, Josh Kelly. There's so many names uh, on your resume. Do you feel that whoever you fight at welterweight, you're 
going to have the experience advantage in terms of fighting champions, fighting top fighters? Uh, absolutely. That's one thing that um, I definitely feel like that that's I have the upper hand on a lot of fighters that I fight, that I do have that experience um, because I, I have fought, you know, some tough competition. So um, I feel as though that that's one of them things that I, I, I get the upper hand on people. Absolutely. And I know that you're from Philly. We, 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 we mentioned that there's another Philly fighter, Danny Garcia. And I know that you've uh, mentioned his name a few times. Do you still want to crack it, Danny Garcia? Yeah, but I don't think he wanted no, not a piece of me. You know, um, it's one of them things. I just don't think that, I mean, we got history too. Um, I used to get off on him at the, you know, his sparring and things like that. I just think that, you know, that, you know, these guys don't want to, you know, deal with someone that's, you know, awkward, long, you know, saying slick, things like that. So, I mean, at the end of the day, if you look at my me fighting Kavalaskas, I made him look like he had two left feet. I messed up their whole plan, right? I mean, I was, as I think I read something, they said that I was basically a sparring partner for Kavalaskas for, for him to fight Crawford. So they were expecting him to destroy me and then blow up the fight with him against Crawford because we almost got the same style, tall, long, he's southpaw, he always switched southpaw, things like that. And I, and I, and I 100% messed up their whole plan. And uh, just going back to Danny Garcia for one second, I know you mentioned the sparring. How much did you, did you spar with Danny? Was it a lot of sparring? And, and just tell us a little bit about it. How did it go down? And, and, and why do you feel that you got the better of it? Uh, I mean, if you, had two, if, if you was there, you had two eyes, you would see that I, had the, I got the best of it. Uh, it's just one of them things. I just feel like um, if, you can, if you can box, you got good feet work, Use a good jab. I think anyone that can outbox Danny, I feel like sometimes with his feet work, you know, it's, it's, it's planted on the ground. I get he's trying to crack hard with, the, you know, the big overhand right. But you can't hit what you can't see. Um, and another fighter in the welterweight division I, I, I wanted to ask you about was Errol Spence. He's obviously had a lot of success in the ring, just like Crawford and Garcia and the other guys we talked about. We don't know exactly what's going to happen after he had the uh, the car accident. As we know, he's he's hopefully recovered and hopefully he'll be to his you know back to his old self. Um, what do you think about uh, Errol Spence and how do you think that matchup would go? What who Crawford to him? No, I was going to say, I know that you've said in the past that you see uh, flaws in, er in Errol Spence, right? So a matchup yeah, between I mean, you and Errol Spence, how would that go down? Oh, yeah, no, no, no one's perfect. Um, I feel like with me and my team, we're really good at breaking people down and um, figuring them out and, and uh, know what they, they're good at and what they're bad at. So um, I, I think it would be a good matchup. I think that um, I surprise a lot of people. Absolutely. And you train with uh, Jerron Boots Ennis, another great young fighter. He's 23 years old. I believe his dad trains you and him. What is your relationship like with Boots Ennis? Uh, we're, I mean, we're really good friends. Um, he's like my brother. It's, 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 you know, one of them things that, you know, we always help each other out. And, um, I mean, that dude has, you know, got so much talent. He, he keeps you on your toes and he makes sure you just stay sharp. I mean, I always got him in my camp. He always helping me out with the pads. Man, he can do it all. And and what is have you sparred with him? What's sparring been like? What have you what have you taken away from sparring with Boots Ennis? Oh man, he's uh he's the type of guy he can bang, he can box, he got hell of um reflexes and things like that. So 
it's, it's, it's one of them things that you constantly learning um, with him. So just to close it out, um, you're 34 years old. We mentioned a lot of names. Is there a fight on the calendar? Um, what, what do you ho- who do you hope to have next and when? I want, I want Crawford. <laughs> I, want, I want Crawford, man. That's honestly, I just feel as though that we're um, – that would be a great fight, to be honest, uh, man, Crawford. And um, I, I just feel as though that, you know, we can um, do a lot of good for the sport, you know. Um, like I said, it's something that they can sell or something that they can, you know, people want to check that out. You know, like I said, we both got issues. You know, we both don't like each other, things like that. So I think it'd be cool. And like I said, I want to prove, I want to prove to people, like I said before, with the whole Vernon Forrest and Shane Mosley, a lot of people was like, oh, I don't know, Vernon Forrest beat them in amateurs. Amateurs and pros is different. And everyone say all the time, like, oh, you know, Crawford got better. I also did too. You know, styles make fights. And um, I just feel like I, I, I would show a lot of people up and, and I, I, I prove a lot of people wrong. Well, let's hope that you get that opportunity with Crawford. Uh, last question for you. Um, there's a documentary about your life on YouTube. I know that you've been through a lot. Um, we mentioned the poverty and, and getting out of that situation. You had car accidents. You had other things that you had to, um, to face. Obviously, everyone right now is going through a tough time. Um, in the world any words of encouragement anything you want to say to fans and supporters um just listen just constantly um keep working hard you know if you gotta if you got a dream and you gotta you know take every opportunity that you get and run with it hit the ground running wake up and do what you gotta do and you'll get to your goal listen i had a lot of i had a lot of bumps in the road i had a lot of chances to give up i had a lot of chances to fold my cards and I mean probably a lot of people would have blinked twice if I would have gave up or, or folded because I mean I had a lot of things uh, against me so by me not giving up and me constantly you know I I don't I don't say this works out all the time for everyone but I put I put all my eggs in one basket and it kind of worked out for me you know kids nowadays you know they in four to five different sports I just put you know all my eggs in the, in the, in the boxing game and, and it kind of worked out it helped me go to college travel the world you know what I'm saying? So I, I feel as though that if you got something and you believe in it, you know, run with it. Well said. Ray Robinson, I want to thank you so much for the time. Best of luck with your pursuit of a big fight versus Terrence Crawford. Hope to see you back in the ring soon. And uh, thanks, thanks for, for having me. Thanks for spending the time. I know you got to drop off your son. So I'll talk to yeah. you soon, my man. All right, man. Have a good one. And that brings us to the end. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much to my guests. If you want to follow us, uh, you can follow at A-T-E underscore podcast. That's on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow my personal channels, it's at C-U-R-R-A-N-B-H-A-T-I-A on Instagram and Twitter. That's at Karan Bhatia on Instagram and Twitter. Please subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com backslash Karan Bhatia. Uh, please check out uh, our show on iTunes. Hit subscribe. Give us a five-star review. If you want to email the show, it's asktheexpertspod at gmail.com. This is Karan Bhatia signing off for Ask the Experts. Thank you for listening to Ask the Experts with Karan Bhatia.